Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And then he got spiritual sight while the other one still remained blind. The point still being, all these people around him, and here comes this provocative man, and he says, I'm going to heal you. And here's what you need to do. Now think with me for just a moment. Here's this blind man, doesn't even know what Jesus looks like. Here's the crowd around him. He was a beggar we know in the context. So he probably heard a lot of people around him speaking to him, get away from me, I don't want to give you anything. I don't blah, 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 all this activity. And then Jesus, he hears this. I don't know if it was quite like that, but I can only imagine. Remember, they have acute hearing. And then he reaches into the dust, and then he spits in his hand, rubs this together, and puts it on his eyes. Now, this is why we want to really know God's word, because it wasn't just, I mean, he could have picked up a leaf and done this. He could have rubbed it on his cheek. He could have done anything he wanted to. But why spit? Why mud? Why on his eyes? Well, if you go back, you're going to find that when God made man, he made man out of the what? The dust of the earth. Then you're going to find, Scripture says, man is nothing but dust. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, it says, we return to the dust. So dirt represents mankind. And if you look at the clay pots, we're, look like, we're nothing. We're just a bunch of dust and dirt. We're made that way in, in, the, in the sight of God, although we're created in His image. We're really nothing. And it's whatever God wants to do with us. He made us. Whatever He wants to do with us, He can do anything He wants with us. So He's not taking clay. Now, He takes a little bit of spit. Back in those days, sometimes they thought spit was medicinal. Sometimes they thought some clay, like a mud pack. Some of you that know the story of Fanny Crosby, who wrote the song, uh, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. She wasn't born blind. She was blind, but she wasn't born blind. She became blind because she had a little bit of problem with her eyes, so they took mustard plaster, like spit and mustard all together, ground it all up, put it on her eyes. The mustard burned her eyes, and she never saw again. The point being, again, there's different things that were thought, but Jesus takes all of this and puts it together. Now, Jesus is not restricted to only do it this way. You're going to find where Jesus spoke to someone and they were healed. Other times, he would just use spit. Many different ways that he could do it, he could heal someone, he did this. I think it was just a sign of tremendous humility that we're just nothing but nothing. One commentator said this, and you go home and talk about it. He thinks that if we were created out of dirt, he took this man's eyes that were burned out, sockets perhaps, and he recreated the man's eyes with the same dust that he made man to start with. The point of the matter, that's what he did. Now, what did the man do? The man then did exactly what Jesus told him to do. Jesus says, now you go, and you go to this pool of Siloam, which means scent. You wash there, and then the man came back healed. Now, that is huge. Can you imagine, here's this blind man. He now has this spit mud spit on his eyes his mud ball on his eyes and he's now going now it doesn't say did someone help him did he feel the walls did he hold the tail of a donkey walking that way i don't know how he got there all i know is that he went to the pool of siloam in obedience to what the lord told him to do this mud's on his eyes can you imagine halfway there he finally thought who is this guy what is, on my, what is going on? What's this stuff on my eyes? I think here's what it is. I think this guy was so desperate he would do absolutely anything to get healed. Do you know anybody 
who when they hear a, 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 a diagnosis and none of the, the cures are working, that they get so desperate, they go to foreign countries, they spend all their money, they do anything they possibly can. So this guy is doing that. So he stumbles his way to the pool of Siloam. Now, why do you think the pool of Siloam? He could have stopped and done a, there could have been a, a bucket of water and washed it. I don't know. Anywhere along the way, he could have stopped and gone into someone and said, I'm going to get this out of my eyes. I don't want this in my eyes any longer. This guy is weird, and I don't want to look weird. Although I don't think he knew what he looked like. So he goes on to the pool of Siloam. Now, it says it means sent. Now, that is huge in Scripture. Because if you go back to the Old Testament, the Assyrians were out there and they were laying siege to Israel, especially Jerusalem. Hezekiah now is in Jerusalem. He says, man, if they put siege around us, we'll never have any water. So while the enemy was coming at him, he said, I want you to go to the, what they call there, the pool of uh, the, the spring of Gihon. I want you to dig a trench from there into Jerusalem underneath the walls. And I want you to, to, to fill up a pool area here so that no matter how bad it gets, we will still have water here in Jerusalem. So now they think the water means it was sent to this pool. So that pool means the water that was sent. So that means sent. Another way they look at it, if you were here with a couple of weeks ago, we had the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. Remember the two lights that they had and lit up all of Jerusalem? We talked about the water that was there. That water actually came from the pool of Siloam, and it also meant blessing. And so they were thinking, now the Lord sent us blessings. So this was a blessing. I think there's also a veiled truth in here as well. When he says, go to this pool because it means sent. Go to this particular one, Siloam. Because Jesus was sent as a blessing to the world. He says, I came because God sent me into the world. So everything was about sent. So in essential, he's saying this to this guy. I'm sending you to a pool called sent because I was sent. And the Jews had their sent of blessings. So all of this is to let you know, you go because you're going to have to keep on going. I'm going to keep on sending you throughout all the world to preach the gospel to everyone else. So he goes down this. Now, can you only imagine what it was like after he washed his eyes and he turns around and he now can hear the voices and he sees the faces behind the voices? Can you imagine when he finally went back to the corner where Jesus was as a beggar? He was now begging and he saw where he sat for so many years maybe. Can you imagine what that was like? The very first gospel song, I don't mean him, gospel song I ever heard sung was, I really wouldn't mind being the blind man. I thought, that's a weird, I really wouldn't mind being the blind man. The rest of the song said this, because the first thing I would see would be Jesus. So maybe you're blind. When you go to heaven, the first person you'll see is Jesus. If you are deaf, so to speak, the very first words you're going to hear is going to be from Jesus. If you cannot speak, when you get your new body, the first coming out of your mouth will be praises to him. And God says that to all those who trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Well, let's keep some things in mind. Two warnings. First warning is this. Don't confuse methods with miracles. Don't confuse methods with miracles. If you remember Moses in the Old Testament, what did he do? He took up this stick and he went over there and he part of the Red Sea with this thing. Sometimes we get so, oh, I got a stick. My stick can do anything. My stick's better than your stick, you know. It could all be about sticks, walking up to the water. You could think about Joshua walking around the wall. says, you know what? You know how you bring down walls today? You just walk around them. We don't need wrecking balls and dynamite. Just walk around. It's all up in methods. And there are churches today that think that they can build their church based on copying the methods of other ministries that are out there. 
And what's really happened is they've missed out on what does God want this church to do so that God's works, as we just saw here, can actually be done. It's not wrong to listen, to learn. There's always great stuff out there. We all should be learning. But let's remember we don't depend upon the methods to build a family, to build a church, to build a building, to build a practice, to build a business. We depend upon God to do that, and he can do it many different ways. And often he chooses to do it in the simplest. And so remember that. Don't confuse the methods. And don't confuse your participation in it. Can you imagine Moses saying, hey, guys, look, I parted the sea. Joshua could say, I walked around the walls. The blind man could say, I walked to the pool. I like what uh, Pastor Charlie says. You know, when we do our night, at our No Fright Kids night, he says, it's not about me doing this thing. It's about all of us working together underneath the power and the control and the influence of Almighty God for his glory. That's the key. So we obey, but at the same time we do it by his power. Trust and obey. So let me ask you this question. Maybe you're right now in a particular situation. You're struggling and you're not seeing things spiritually. Go back to the book right here. And without the feeling, without all this other stuff that's out there, you just go right back to the book and let God speak to you about how you build your life, how you strengthen your marriage, how you increase your business, how you help others, whatever it might be. You go right back to this book. I hope every one of you has a good study Bible and that's the first on your list for Christmas if you don't have one. And then when you get it, Don't just read it, obey it, no matter the cost. It's trust and obey. Let's go just a couple more. Number three, or the next one, is what can hinder us from seeing our spiritual sight, getting our spiritual sight. I think there's the word doubt in there, so let's go back to the passage. It says, therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, is not this the one who used to sit and beg? And others were saying, this is he. And still others were saying, no, that's not him. It's somebody like him. It's an imposter. But that guy, can you imagine the little blind guy kept saying, it is, I'm the guy, look at here, I'm the guy. I'm the, I sat over here, I'm the guy who wanted your money. I needed the help. I can just see him jumping up and down. Guys, look at me, I'm him. Or he, whatever the grammar is. Verse 10, and they were saying to him, how then were your eyes open? You know, I would be so hurt if people were saying, you're not the guy. I'd be much happier if people would say, you mean you were blind, but now you can see? I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. Isn't this neat? Tell us what you see. Tell us what a tree looks like to you. What did you think it looked like? And go through the whole gamut. But no, how did you get it? You're not the guy. You're not the right. You're just an empire. You're a fake. You're a fraud. How did you get your eyes open then? And he answered, the man who is called Jesus, he made clay, simple, ordinary, dirt, And he anointed my eyes and he said to me, go to Siloam and wash. And what did I do? I went. I didn't doubt. I washed. I received my sight. And they said to him, not praise the Lord. They said, where is he? I don't know this guy. You made him up. This is fake. This isn't real. Can you imagine how that must have really hurt him? Well, let me encourage you right now. Maybe you're at a crossroads of a conflict in your life and you need a miracle. And I would like you to know that if you obey the word, please don't doubt. I heard a Bible teacher tell me when I was in Bible college, he said, don't doubt God in darkness what he's given you in the light. When you have been given great truths at conferences and church services and small group studies and personal reading of the word, when you have gone through this material and you know that God is real, 
Please do not doubt him. I had a man call me at 4.30 in the morning. He's a homeless guy. He calls me about three or four times a week. He's come to church a couple of times. He called me at 4.30 and he said, Pastor, please pray for me. My faith is wavering. And I said, you know, <clears throat> what you were given in the light, don't doubt God in the darkness of the street right now. And so whatever you're going through, don't doubt God in your darkness, what he has given to you in the light. You go back to this word and you allow the Lord to throw the light back on in your life. Don't doubt him. Well, what can hinder us from getting spiritual sight? I think this is one that really tears up most of us is what we call man-made rules. Look at it in verse 13. It says here, so these folks brought them to the Pharisees. I think I know why, because Jesus did this whole thing on a Sabbath. It says, the man who was formerly blind, that's who they brought to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath day on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also were asking him again, how he really received his sight. And he said to them, well, Jesus applied clay to my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, well, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Isn't that interesting? You have some Pharisees that are really adamant in one direction. You have another group of Pharisees that are starting to perhaps see the light. Hey, He's not really a sinner. He couldn't have done these signs. There must be something special about him. And so they said to the blind men again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. I can see now that he's getting his spiritual sight because he's really saying, here's a man sent from God that has a message. Listen to him. He didn't yet say he was God. He's a man sent from God. Now some of you are all hung up on this Sabbath thing, so let me help you out with it. Jesus, God, set the Sabbath in Exodus chapter 20, he says, keep it. And he said, when you keep that Sabbath day, you don't work on the Sabbath day. Now, there were certain things that they now took to the nth degree. One of the things they said was, on the Sabbath day, you are not to cook. You ladies would really love the Sabbath. On the other hand, you had to do it ahead of time the day before because you couldn't make things, bread and all that, on the Sabbath day. And of course, if you remember how you make bread, you ladies with flour and all that kind of stuff with water, probably, and you kind of need this stuff and you heat it up and you got bread. If it's got leaven in it, it expands and it grows. Now, why were they so upset? Well, they did it on the Sabbath. Well, what's wrong with healing somebody on the Sabbath? Put a little bit of spit and some mud and put it on the Sabbath. Because they thought that when Jesus took the clay and then spit on the clay, he had to make a mud pack, and by doing that, that was called kneading. He had to knead the dirt, and that then was like making bread, and so now you broke the Sabbath. Can you see how these Pharisees were so nuts? I think if it was an Alka-Seltzer tablet, I'd be afraid to fizzle on that day. I, I, I really would. It'd be, it'd be crazy. My point still being, though, that the law and people will put you under the law that will help take your God, the God of the Bible, and begin to put it into a legalistic box that you won't be able to see God clearly. And that's why we have to be very careful of these kinds of things because the law will dampen us. So let me encourage you again. Make sure that you're going to the very word of God. And as you stay abiding in his word, then you're going to be abiding in the words of Christ and you'll be released from all of this. You'll notice I gave you a list there. He spit on the ground. They thought that was breaking of the, of the law, the Sabbath. He spit and he put it on the man's eyes. That was a form of working. You healed someone. And yet um, Jesus says, no, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So again, folks, 
I don't know where you are with your sight, but I hope that maybe you could see that Jesus Christ can give you spiritual sight. And be very careful. The very first thing you want to do is don't put him in a box. It's not either or. It's neither. And whatever he's doing in your life, it's going to be for his glory. And then second, as he's working in your life, I want you to know that you just need to obey him. Trust and obey. Now, you don't trust him and do good works to go to heaven. You trust him to go to heaven, but to trust him, you have to obey him when he tells you to believe on him. And by doing that, trusting in him, that obedient part of trust is what saves you forever and ever and ever. And I pray that you do that. And then we learned here today, don't doubt. If God's given you something in the light, don't doubt it when you're in the darkness. And then finally, if you want to have spiritual light, you're going to have a lot of people in your life that might try to tangle you up with a lot of legalism. But be very, very careful that you go right back to the word. And what does the word have to really say? Because the spirit provides liberty and there's liberty in Christ. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe right now that you're recognizing the Lord is wanting to speak to you about uh, some special things regarding your spiritual sight. Instead of getting hung up on whether or not you're going to be healed physically, why don't you right now just pause for a moment and reflect on the fact that God says, I want to heal your soul and your spirit. And I want to provide for you an eternal healing. I want to provide for you an eternal relationship that can never get broken, damaged, or diseased. I want to give you something that is so important, so valuable. It's an opportunity to be intimate with me, the eternal God, where he says he wants to be your eternal savior and thus be your eternal father. But this is a time for you to come in your life and It's easy to admit that you can't see when you're blind. It's easy to admit you can't hear when you're deaf. But sometimes we're so wrapped up, it's hard to admit that we're lost when things seem to be going so well. It's very hard for us to admit that it's only by faith when we've heard for so long, it's by good works. And so this is the toughest part about your healing, is you have to come to him just as you are and say, Lord, it's none of me and all of you. And Lord, there's nothing I can do to have eternal life. And so Lord, I'm coming to you just like this blind man. And Lord, I'm going to let you sovereignly save me by simply placing my faith in you right now for the forgiveness of my sin. I know that without you, I'll remain blind spiritually. And that means I'll be lost eternally. And so Lord, I'm coming to you. And Lord, you've never turned anyone away who's come to you for physical healing. I'm coming to you for spiritual healing. I'm coming to you just as I am, spiritually blind, and I need to see. I want to see you, and I want to see these eternal truths. I come to you just as I am. Now, if you do that, the Lord says, that's simple faith. You're coming to him and him alone. Jesus died on the cross. He paid your sin debt for you, and he said this, for God so loved you that he gave his only son, That would be himself speaking of himself. That whoever you are, if you would believe in him, not just that he existed, not just that he is God, but you're believing in him who did exist and exists today, who is God, but who went to the cross to pay for your sins. He says you will never perish, but you'll have everlasting life. So that's the trust part. Will you trust that? Will you obey him by coming to him by faith? Afterwards, yes, tell all the people you can. 
Shout from the housetops. You have spiritual sight, but not for eternal life. Something you do as a way to say thank you because you've received eternal life. So I'm going to be quiet in a moment. When you have a moment now to just call unto the Lord and say, Lord, I'm trusting you as the Lord who died again, and I believe you'll forgive me of all my sin. Would you tell him that now? If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. See, a prayer doesn't save you, but faith in Christ does. But when I pray for you, I'm praying because you've trusted him already in here today. And I'm just thanking the Lord that today was your day, that you received your eternal spiritual sight. You might not be able to see everything all at once. It's a growing thing. In fact, in the Old Testament, it talked about how that when they were given sight spiritually, they saw more and more as things develop. And that'll happen to you, but now you have the capacity to see him and see him clearly. So is there anyone in here today that would say, Stan, I I want you to know this message really spoke to me. I, I felt like I was in darkness and blind and now I understand that Jesus wants to give me sight and I can see forever. And I know that my sins are forgiven and I'm trusting him. So without you coming forward or standing up or saying anything out loud or for me in any way embarrassing you, I will not do that. I'd like to know, though, if today is the day you have done that. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I'd like to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. And when you do, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to just say thank you or God bless you. You can put your hand down. And later on, I will pray for you in a general way. But I do want to know if today's the day that you've received your sight. You know now that you have a home in heaven. Your sins are forgiven. You're assured of that eternal life because you've trusted in him alone for your salvation. Is there anyone in here today that would say by an uplifted hand silently that today's the day you're trusting Christ? Would you put up your hand right now? Is there anyone at all? Thank you and thank you. God bless you. The rest of you. If I was blind from birth and I was given my sight instantly, I don't know that I would immediately recognize a tree or I'd immediately recognize things that are out there that I, for so long, have never, ever seen before. It would not make those objects any less real. It would not make those objects any less ignorant, because they're not. It would just mean that I see all this stuff I've never seen before, all this color I've never seen before. And now that I have my sight, I would spend the rest of my life discovering what am I looking at, what am I seeing? What is that object? What is the purpose for that? How does that fit together? Words in a book. Color in a picture. People that are all around me to, to distinguish what I'm seeing. From the biggest objects to the minutest little pieces of God's creation. Well, when you trust Christ as Savior, I want you to know that you now have your sight, but you don't recognize everything there is about the Bible or God, and that's okay. Because now the one who has given you sight will also give you true understanding. And he's put it in a book and the spirit of God is now in you. And now you can discover who he is. And I'm going to tell you now, for you truly, the best is yet to come. So let's all go on this journey that we have our sight. And now let's discover what we're looking at. What's it there for? And how can we bring glory to God because of it?
I'm going to tell you, it's beautiful. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can have this sight that's eternal. And while we don't know everything we're looking at when we go through Scripture, we do know that as we abide in your word, things will start coming more into focus. We'll start seeing how things are connected together and why they're connected together and what we can do with what we're learning to bring glory to you. And Father, for us, that's what we really want. Oh, it'd be nice for us to be healed of this, that, and the other. But Lord, we do know that's coming later for all eternity. But for right now, help us to use what we do have, like that clay, to change someone else's life. So Father, in our infirmity, like that little clay, that piece of spit, that we now could be used in a glorious way to bring honor to you and help other people to see. So Father, we now resurrender to you, especially at this holiday season, that we would be used truly to populate heaven. Now, Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.